We're going to be in Galatians chapter 4, looking at verses 8 through 20. We've been going through the book of Galatians talking about what, what is the gospel, how does it help us, not only when we first come to faith, but how does it shape the way we live our Christian life? And the answer is we become a Christian the same way we grow as a Christian, is by faith in the crucified Son of God. And the way that the book of Galatians is laid out, I've said this before, I'll just, this is good to review, is chapters 1 and 2 were the gospel biography, where did the, the story of the gospel come from? It was God's plan. Chapters 3 and 4 is the gospel theology, as Paul's explaining that the scriptures teach these truths. Um, he's he's a much more of a Bible scholar and academic and, and theologian in these chapters. And then the last two are gospel ethics. How do you live out the life of the gospel? How, how does it affect what you do and how you live it? And so let's read the text and see what God has to teach us this morning. It's Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through 20. This is the word of our God. Paul says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather, to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years, and I am afraid that I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children... For whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. And this is God's word. It's absolutely true, and He gives it to us because He loves us. Let's pray. Father, I ask for your help now as we come to your word. That my words would be your words, that you would show us how this great love that you have given us in Christ is supposed to affect the relationship that we have with one another. Show us the heart of a pastor and show us the heart of Jesus, the chief shepherd, the big pastor, has for us. So send your spirit to show us our captain, our king, and our savior. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. You notice this is a slightly different tone from the last few weeks, is that Paul seems to be taking a break from being a theologian. He's not as harsh. His language gets much more tender. Um, 
He's not calling them, you know, you dear sweet idiots. He's saying, <laughs> you're my brothers. You're, you're little children. It's a tender term. And so we're actually getting to see Paul, the pastor. We're getting to see Paul not being prickly, but being tender hearted. Um, and see that his heart really is for these people as he writes to them. And it's an, this is an important thing. Because it's really easy to think that if I know my Bible, I've got the gospel. And Paul's saying this is, this is an emotional thing. This is a personal thing. It's about relating properly to the right person, to God, who is a person, who is three persons. Right. So the question that we're going to look at the text this morning is how does God, what means does God use to bring us to faith? And the answer is going to be, it's pretty simple, it's through the church and the people that God's placed in the church. Other people. How does God get you to see that the gospel is good news? Ordinary people. People like you. People like me. Moms and dads. Uh, I mean, if you tell testimonies, if we were to have a time like that, I mean, we'd, you'd hear stories of all kinds of people who chased you down when you were running away. Maybe it was a pastor, maybe it was an elder, maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a close friend, a coworker. I don't know what your story is. But the point is, is it's somebody who was deeply agonizing over you. And all of a sudden it makes you turn and say, okay, well, who is Jesus if he makes people love like that? It's really cool. And so I want to help us be in awe of the way, not only the way that God saves us this morning through his son, but the means that he uses us. And so maybe this will help. God is using Paul here, who was a murderous religious terrorist, to plant churches and to write a whole big chunk of the Bible. It's hard to think of somebody not qualified for the ministry <laughs> in that sense, somebody not looking for it apart from grace. And the normal sinful people are given a care and compassion for others and they suffer with and for the people around them, and that, that gives the gospel a hearing. And so as we start this, like it's a really good question. As we think about emotional gospel ministry, talking about Jesus to our neighbors, not only have you had somebody like that, but are you somebody like that? Are you being loved like Paul loves this church, and do you love like Paul loves this church? You can see this in the lives of missionaries. We have some missionaries who've left here. They go to other countries. They get all the glory because <laughs> they leave. Um, well, international missionaries, especially, they go to hard countries. We throw lots of money at them uh, because it, we recognize the sacrifice, how hard it is to go and love people different than you and to suffer with them, to become like them, as Paul says. I'll give you an example of somebody I knew growing up as a kid, Wendy Atkins. She was my second grade music teacher, and if I'm told and remember pro properly, she taught my year in second grade and then went off to Africa, where she's been ever since. And she's in the Central African Republic. She's a music teacher, and she's using music to, to get the gospel into the local customs and teaching and training people in the church. 
One of the fascinating things is she made the news in 2012 for her faithfulness. Because in that part of the world, in, right in smack dab in the middle of Africa, there's all kinds of terrorist groups. And one of the nasty ones, the LRA, the Lord's Resistance Army, had come from Uganda over. And all kinds of things, child soldiers um, attacking with machetes, I mean, just brutal, brutal stuff. Normally, in the past, missionaries have just left if it gets dangerous. And Wendy Atkins refused to leave as a single lady. And so telling the story of how she actually was hiding in the ditch with the people that she was ministering with so that these terrorists wouldn't find them. And you know, in something like that, when someone comes and says, I love you, I want you to hear the gospel... You say, okay. You see them eating the same food and giving up the comforts of what people know to be in the West. But when you see someone willing to become that weak, to put their lives on the line, they say, I love you because Christ loves me. And I want you to be loved by this Christ. It gives it a power. It's an embodiment of what Paul says, become like me because I became as you were. This is, I know it's emotional, I know it's dramatic, but that's the pattern of gospel ministry. To, to go out to where people are, to love them, to live like them, so that they will become like us. That's what pastors are called to do, it's what elders are called to do, this is what we are called as Christians to do, is to suffer with and, and like those around us, just living life with them. So that when we preach the gospel, they would, they would follow Christ with us. And as Paul says, I mean, he uses this illustration we're going to come back to, a, a motherly anguish, the pains of childbirth. He's saying you sh- you're to build trust with one another by giving your heart to them and wrapping your health and well-being, your happiness in their health and well-being. That's a big call. It's the call to be a parent to one another within the church. Right. It's emotional gospel ministry. It's painful. It's real. It's you, you bind yourself to one another. And what I love about this passage, as we're about to jump into this, is it's so real. Paul's writing as a pastor is about to break up with his church. Churches and pastors traditionally, I don't know what the statistics are, but usually by the third year there's hardship because they start, everyone starts to realize who the pastor is, <laughs> that he's not who they thought he was. Um, pastors lasting a long time with the same church is unusual. Um, it's just, just the way it is. People give up on the church because of conflict in the church. Truth is spoken, maybe they don't like what the way the pastor puts it, the way scripture is taught or church discipline actually happens, not just in teach. Church discipline is mostly positive, it's telling you the gospel. But when we have to reclaim sinners who are wandering away, people get offended and they walk away because it's painful. If you look at this passage, you're getting a real picture of what the church is like. It's up and down. <laughs> 
intimate and separate. And the way it's supposed to go, by God's grace, is the pastor and the leaders emotionally chasing after those in the church. So let's look at how this works itself out. How do we do this kind of gospel ministry? And we're going to see it three ways, three different parts. Because the only command in here, Paul says, become like me as I became like you. And then he gives us the emotional side of it. How do we do ministry? It's a, it is about a ch- the pastor's relationship with the church, but it really is about a, everyone's relationship with one another. You can apply it that way as well. So let's look at it. Verse 12, Paul says, Brothers, I entreat you, I beg you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. Now, remember the disagreements here. This is the pattern. This is what is going on. As these false teachers have come into the church and said, you need to obey the law. Yes, believe the gospel, but then obey the law, and then you'll know you're saved if, through your obedience. And Paul says, no, the true gospel is believe in Jesus Christ crucified for you, then you are saved, and because you are saved, you will obey. You'll have the power to do so. And the way this affected the life of the church and you see it, they're observing months and days and years. They're starting to put laws into practice. They're, um, they're living out the Old Testament law. And because of that, that put division in the church between Jew and Gentile. So if you're a Jew and you have limitations on what kind of food you can eat because it's part of God's commandment, you can't sit with Gentiles and eat with them. Technically, you could because you could pay the price, you could go make a sacrifice out of love for them and make yourself unclean to communicate to them. But that's not what they did. They separated. All right? <coughs> so what happened all right, is this Jew, these Jews were not eating with the Gentiles anymore, and they were separating. And so they were being, the Galatians, who were Gentiles, non-Jews, were being forced to live like Jews just to have relationships. And Paul says, no, look, look at your past. Look at what, how this whole relationship started. He says, remember how I lived among you as a Jew. I gave all that up and I lived like a Gentile so that you could hear the gospel. So why would you want to go back to, to being what I was? Become like me because I became like you. Look at how I set aside the law. Look how the gospel gave me the freedom to set aside these laws so that I might preach the gospel to you. See the pattern? That's what I want you to see is that the gospel gives us an immense amount of flexibility in our relationships. When you meet new people, you can eat anything. You can go to any part of the world. There's no separation over food, which means you can build relationships with anybody. Jesus modeled it. He was always eating with tax collectors and sinners, the holy, the holy one of Israel, <coughs> dwelling with the unholy. And this principle that Paul's teaching us here to become like me as I became like you, is also, it's, you find it in 1 Corinthians 9. Verses 19 to 22 as well. This is, maybe this will help make it a little more clear. 
Paul says, Though I am free from all, I've made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. In order to win the Jews, I became, to those under the law, I became as one under the law. Right? So I, became, I live my life as a Jew so that they might hear who Jesus is. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. Not outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law of God. He's saying, I live like a Gentile so I could minister to the Gentiles. To the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people that I, by all means I might save some. And so here's the principle. Become like, become like me as, as I became like you. Paul's saying it's a principle of love that the gospel gives you the freedom to not freak out about the minor details, to build relationships with one another. To go out and become weak as someone else is weak. It's this, I mean, it would almost sound manipulative, right? If I want to become like you so you'll trust me and then you'll, you'll adopt my religion. But it's much deeper than that because Paul says, I'm willing to become weak. I'm willing to suffer like you so that you could see the one that suffered for you, Jesus. Do you see that? Becoming weak, that's the key to know if you're being loved by those around you. It's, you could say it this way, it's probably, it's one of the ways to sniff out a false teacher or at least someone who's not, not going to be that helpful. They're not willing to become like you. I mean, false teachers, those who change the gospel, they say, look at me, look at my life, look at how God has blessed me, here's all the steps that I have taken to get to this point. Now you do the same and then you come up to where I'm at. And that's, there's all kinds of teaching like that, the health and wealth kind of things. Uh, believe like me. I did this and this and this, and look how, how beautiful my life has turned out. There's no sense of, become, of them willing to become weak. It's, picture it like this. <laughs> picture of, of you are stuck in a pit. Here's how you sniff out a false teacher. A pit is a picture of sin. You're struggling. You're suffering. A false teacher will say, okay, here's the five steps that I took to build myself a ladder to climb out of that pit. I did it by myself. Why can't you do the same? Whereas the model of Christian love is to jump down into the pit, to suffer with them, and ask Jesus to help get you out. See it? Become weak as I am weak. I'm willing to become as you are so that you might become as I am. Someone who trusts more deeply in Jesus Christ. You see it? You see it in verse 17, this, this whole attitude of the false teachers. Paul says, they make you feel like you're a big deal. They make much of you, but it's not for a good reason. It's actually all about them. There's no real love. There's no desire in them to imitate the love of Jesus for you. Because that's really the pattern. Because Paul's saying that gospel ministry, if it's done according to the scriptures, is that your leaders are looking at Christ, believing the gospel, 
and saying, I want to model what Jesus did in your life and come down next to you. It's, it's, model, it's an incarnational love. It's, it's coming down next to you. Putting, putting flesh to our words. Physically living out right next to you what faith looks like. This is a beautiful thing, and it's so... This is a, I'm talking in the ideal. I mean, you see this, right? <laughs> this is putting the bar way up here. This is the kind, what church should look like. But if you stop and think about it, our marketing strategy is Jesus Christ crucified. The one who said, I became like you so that you might become like me. And he died. The Lord of Lords became the slave of slaves. And Romans 8.2 says, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He looked just like us. And yet he was without sin. <laughs> so look, how do you know God loves you? He sent his Son to become weak as you are weak, without sin, without fault or failure, so that you might be known by God. And then God then says and shows us, His Spirit gives us the power to do this, to go out then and become weak as those around you are weak. To jump in right down where they're at. But I think of this principle this way, is that we... Christians, when we live out the gospel, we're telling others about Jesus. and we're, we're supposed to be like a piece of clay that actually has a diamond backbone. It can't be moved. Right? The backbone of this clay figure, this human being, this person, is the gospel. There's truths you cannot change. And yet what that looks like in the person, in the flesh, is flexible. It's moldable. It's going to look different depending on where you live. My ministry down in Mississippi would look very different than it does up here. Because that is a different culture. The same way it would look different in the, in the jungles of Africa or in, in the urban cities of London. Um, in the Muslim countries, you do things differently. The gospel truth is the same. Right? If, if I was ministering in a closed Muslim country like one of my buddies is, you grow a full, thick beard so people will listen to you. Women cover everything up. So that you can gain a hearing. But the gospel truths don't change. It's this whole principle. Become as I am because I've become like you are. <coughs> you see this. There, there is an immense power when somebody comes down and says, I too sin like that. Have you experienced that? I mean, that's, a, that's what a lot of small groups become is where everyone just sits around and says, yeah, I, I stink at this too. <laughs> but what it does is it makes you feel safe and comfortable. You're free to be human. That, that's the first step. Become, let us become like you. Let us live life with you. So do you have friends like that? within the church? Are you a friend like that? 
That's just one part. <laughs> the, the other part is, he, he says, I've become as you are. I, I lived as a Gentile, even though I was a Jew. I set aside my tradition, my culture, my preferences, so that, I'm, so that you might be, feel loved. I, I'm imitating Christ. The second part, Paul says, become like me. And really, gospel ministry needs both. We need to be vulnerable. We need to be honest about our weakness. We need to say, yeah, I'm a sinner like we just did. We corporately confess together. But at the same time, we need to go somewhere with it. Right? I mean, picture this. If you're in the ocean drowning and you need help and someone jumps in next to you and says, that's okay, I'm here with you, <laughs> you're not going to go anywhere. It's not going to be any help. If we only ever say, uh, I, I stink, My, I struggle with this, I'm a failure, I'm a sinner, and never say become a Christian, let me introduce you to my Savior, you're never going to get anywhere. We'll create a culture of love and openness and acceptance with no direction. And Paul is very clear. There is a direction to go, and that's, that's to the foot of the cross. This is getting abstract. Let me put some flesh on it here. Some of us are very good at confrontation. I don't know that who you are yet. <laughs> I was just saying we're, we're comfortable saying, I don't care what you think. I'm just going to tell you what I think. And it's a good thing. We need people like that who are not afraid of what other people think. They're bold. They're courageous. And then there are others who are really concerned about what other people think. That, that's more of my default mode, my temperament. Because um, I'm w- much more willing to get down next to you, and it, it, it's harder for me to speak out and to be bold and courageous. I mean, I know I do this every week, but this is my default mode. This is what I fight, my fears. And it's funny as you... Picture that. You've got people who are willing to be open and compassionate, and those who are much more willing to be confrontational, more bold. Um, they tend to be married. <laughs> That's where the conflict comes from. But these are the models of ministry, right, of being open and accessible. I'm going to become as you are, and being bold and courageous, become like me. You see this in Isaiah 42. It describes the servant of the Lord where it says the servant of the Lord is going to bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. Power, confrontation. And a bruised reed he will not break. A faintly burning wick he will not quench. And he will faithfully bring forth justice. Saying The scriptures are saying, Isaiah is saying, there's a kind of person who does gospel ministry. He's powerful and confident. He has the kind of power that he can bring justice to the world without ever shouting and screaming. He's not standing in the streets. He's going to bring change. He's going to bring confrontation. And yet he's so gentle, a reed which is about to fall off, if you just touch it wrong, it's going to break. He can handle the most fragile people can counsel the most broken heart. A faintly burning wick he will not quench. 
Paul says gospel ministry is both. Become like I am as I became like you are. I'm going to come and live a life of openness next to you. I'm a sinner. I'm a fool. So that you might see the beauty of my Savior. And as I speak this truth, the real servant of the Lord, the one who actually holds all these things together, the paradoxes that we cannot, he'll bring change. There's one more ingredient here. We need a gospel flexibility in ministry, willing to love and be open and compassionate, uh, to, to not freak out about the minor details. You need a gospel rigidity, a, a boldness of saying, I'm not going to give up on the fact that Jesus had to die for sinners and that it is finished. And Paul says, he, well, he models really that we need a maternal anguish, a gospel maternity, I guess I'll call it. Because <laughs> Paul says, look, you came from serving gods that are not gods. You were doing all kinds of things. You were lawbreakers. You didn't have a clue who God was, and I loved you like this. I brought you into the kingdom like a mother brings a child into this world. And now I feel like I'm going back into labor all over again. It hurts. Because these false teachers are zealous for you, but they don't. They're not zealous for your well-being. Because as soon as you let them down, they're going to shut you out. Just, just look at the faithfulness of Paul the pastor. His church has hurt him. They become his enemy. They're, they're turning their backs on him. There was a beautiful love and friendship. Paul was to them as sweet. It was like Jesus was among them. That kind of tenderness. And Paul doesn't walk away. He's willing to go through the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in them. He doesn't take his ball and go home. <laughs> if you don't like me, I'm going to quit. It's so emotional. I don't know how else to put it. He's using words like brothers and children. I have labor pains. We, just, we have three kids, so I've seen it. I know, ladies, there's a guy talking about childbirth, but still. It's just saying, you know, this is not a process that people want to go through except for the joy set before them. Paul's saying the kind of love that a pastor and a leader that we should have for one another is like a mother for a child. The pangs of childbirth. Because what, what mothers do, what parents do, right, is we, <laughs> you let your happiness be held hostage by your children. <laughs> if they're doing well, fantastic. If they're not, your heart goes out to them. And frankly, when they're not doing well, that's when you pay a lot more attention to them. And Paul says that's what it's like to be a minister. I become everyone's parent. Not in the, I'm going to nag you until you make your bed sort of <laughs> motherling. No, I was saying, I have this goal for you, to be like Christ. To run the race, to not give up. To believe the gospel from beginning to end. That you might see Jesus with your very eyes. 
the hope of heaven, that you might, well, eat what this table points to, sit at that table at the end of all things. And I'm willing to let my heart go out to you, take it in my hands, crush it. I'm still going to chase you down. We need a gospel maternity. Do you know anyone like that? I don't know how to do that apart from God's help. I mean, there's some of it of just by virtue of being ordained, all of a sudden the pressure of being a pastor comes and you hear sorrow and you hear stories and it hurts. And, but yet at the same time, Paul's modeling a compassion here from all of us and for us. It's otherworldly. To always speak tenderness when tenderness is required and to always be bold when boldness is required. And that's why I'm going to tell you that you do have a minister like that, and it's not me, it's Jesus Christ. That's what we need to think about as we come to the table. This is the model. Become like me as I have become like you. That's exactly what Jesus did. He came from heaven to earth. He, he lived a, a perfect life as a human being. He suffered in every way that you suffered. He was tempted in every way that you have been tempted. Yet without sin. And yet he did that so that you would become like him, become a son. That you might have his inheritance. God is your father. Heaven itself. That's fantastic. So you put all this together and you see that Jesus died, his model, so that you would have God as your father, Jesus as your older brother, and the Holy Spirit as your roommate reminding you of these things. <laughs> and so that you might have the church as your mother. It sounds pretty Catholic, I know, but I'm going to take that guy and say he's on our team. <laughs> It's saying this is the love that the church should have for the people. And so when you become a member, and it's a call to become a member, it's saying, will you let us give, a, give us your, our hearts? Will you let us be in anguish over your souls? And will you do the same for us? And church discipline is, is us being the mother, so to speak, of, of hunting you down. So when you wonder, I mean, don't you want someone to love you that much to tell you when you're going to destroy yourself? And really, if you are a member, you have a right. You have a right, by virtue of this relationship, to come to your brothers and sisters and say, I need help, care for me. Come to your elders, care for me. And then we have a right to say, okay, help us. Figure out how to do that. We want to come down to where you are. So conclusion. <clears throat> how do we as a church go forward? We believe the gospel. And ask God to give us this gospel flexibility 
this gospel rigidity and gospel maternity. And, and the way that happens is organic. It, it happens as we eat together. It happens as we live life together. It happens as you go to retreats, to Bible studies, as you ask us to pray for you. It, it just happens if we, by us, the church being the church. But it's really going to happen if God, in His grace, sends His Spirit to believe more deeply that we are loved as much as we are loved in Christ. Jesus had a maternal love. When He came to Jerusalem, the city that, that refused Him, the city that killed Him, He said, Oh Jerusalem, how I would have gathered your children together like a hen, a mother hen protects her chicks, but you wouldn't let me. He said, I would bear the very fires of heaven and the fiery wrath of God for you if you would trust me. Maternal love. Don't mess with mama bear. <laughs> let's, um, let's put it this way. We are called to go and learn what it means to have God as our father. Jesus is our older brother by faith. And to ask God to show us how to mother one another in the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. Not only do you model for us the perfect life and, and give us that record in Christ, but you also give us models for ministry. You use somebody as weak and broken as Paul and transformed him and given him this otherworldly love for the church. And I ask for your help. Uh, for us as a session, to love like that. And I ask for your help for us as a church to love one another like that. We ask that you would do your work among us. That emotional gospel ministry might happen among one another and, and give us wisdom to know how to go forward. We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen.